This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we're talking about fish sauce. Yes. As usual, it's taken us way too long to get to this episode, but here we are. Yeah, episode 479, and we're finally getting around to talking about one of the world's greatest ingredients and condiments. As they say, 79, dudes. <laughs> what, would it, what would a 79 be? God, I'm trying to picture what it could do. It's like 10 extra of something. Maybe, no, maybe like 10 fingers. Is? You know what it is? It's when you elbow your spouse in the head while while you're sleeping. The okay. seven, yeah. the seven is an elbow. The mm-hmm. nine is yep. your your partner's head. Okay, yeah, yeah. that that does that sounds pretty <laughs> sexy to me. It's so sexy. I'm gonna oh, say like yeah. that's that's probably my number one favorite sex thing is. <laughs> Getting elbowing or getting elbowed unexpectedly. There's so many limbs we're working with at any given time. That and, is true. And there are like walls and stuff. There's inevitably got to be a moment when, you know, somebody gets injured accidentally. Yeah, there are walls and stuff. You're yeah. right. Okay. All right. Well, this is our fish sauce episode, everybody. And we're going to have a special guest in, in a little bit mm-hmm. that uh, we're very excited for. But uh, let's let's start by talking about uh, our memory lane. How about that? Wait, before we do memory lane, can I tell people about the dream I had? Fine. Okay. <laughs> Matthew is like every other person everywhere who wants to talk about their dreams. <laughs> I know, but this was, this was a pretty good one. Like, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty judicious with like which dreams I share and which ones I don't. But in this one, Molly and I had to meet up at a crowded cafe because I had very important news to share <laughs> Which was that our cat in the dream had a new name, and the new name was Jim Sandwich. <laughs> Spelled J I M. Yeah, just like first name Jim, last name Sandwich. Not like not like a Jim Sandwich, as, as if that was a thing. Just right? Jim Sandwich. <laughs> and Matthew, like in your dream, was it COVID times? Like, were you stressed oh, about yes, meeting absolutely. in this crowded cafe? We should not have been at this cafe. Oh my god! But you were like, you've got to know about. No, Jim no, and Sandwich. I felt like really conflicted. Oh my 
God. Have you had many dreams where you're like in public places and you're All not wearing a mask? the time. Yes. I will. In my dreams, I've always been in the public place for a while. And like I've hugged people and stuff. And oh, then yeah. I'm like, but nobody, weren't, none of us are wearing masks. No, I think, I think it's the new naked in dreams. I think you're right. I wonder how long this is going to go on. I think forever. Oh, okay. Um, All right. All right. Let's talk about fish sauce. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, wait, let's start on memory lane yes. like we always do. And I'm going to go first. Please do. So as everyone knows, I grew up in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, where actually there was some pretty great Vietnamese food. And that was my first yes. introduction to fish sauce. I remember in the the strip mall where there used to be Skaggs Alpha Beta and later Albertsons, there was a Vietnamese restaurant called, I, I can't remember whether it was Lido or The Lido. Okay. I remember you mentioning this before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was my first time ever having um, the dish boon, like a vermicelli noodle dish with, you know, in this case, I liked to order it with shrimp. Mm-hmm. And it would come with uh, nuoc cham to be poured over the top. But anyway, it, we're going to talk about nuoc cham, right? Yeah. Okay, great. Anyway, but uh, also, I think that pretty much every dish there was my first encounter with Vietnamese food, and therefore uh, also because Vietnamese food was where fish sauce came into my life. That was like, the Lido was just splashed with fish sauce. It splashed fish sauce all over my life in the best possible way. (laughs) Exactly. And I loved it, and I couldn't believe it when I later, you know, found some recipes for Boone and permutations on it, and, and how simple it is to make delicious food when you're using something as flavorful as fish sauce. Yeah, and that's that to me is kind of like the story of East Asian cooking, like whether whether you're looking at like a, a more soy sauce oriented cuisine or a more fish sauce oriented cuisine, like East Asia is like where where fermentation and fermented and highly flavorful ingredients have like reached their heights. And so mm-hmm. like it's easy to make things delicious when you're working with ingredients like that. Matthew, tell me about your fish sauce memory lane. Okay, so mine is very similar. I remember a Thai restaurant that we used to get takeout from mostly when I was growing up in Portland, and I want to say it was called Terra Thai House. Again, like I think I've mentioned this on the show before, that that's what came to mind, but that also could be a different Thai restaurant that I went to at some other point. Anyway, I remember like particularly the stir-fried dishes, like they had this flavor that was like, oh, this is very different from what I'm used to in Chinese stir-fries, mm. and I like it. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, that flavor was was definitely coming from fish sauce. And then later, you know, at some point when like after I decided I wanted to be a food writer, I was like, I want to learn to cook Thai food. And I think that was like when I bought fish sauce for the first time mm-hmm. and like sort of learned learned that that was where that flavor was coming from. And uh, I went to Thailand a couple of times. And my second ever published food article was in, in the Seattle Times. And it was about fish sauce. The headline was The Salt of Southeast Asia. And it was just kind of one of your basic, like, you know, white guy writes about uh, ingredient articles. Yes. Um, yes. I will link to it. It's not really worth your time. Now, what year do you think that was, Matthew? I think it was 2001. Okay. Maybe, um, maybe 02. Somewhere well, around there. And that, I think, was when uh, at least like mainstream 
food publications in the U.S. started getting excited about fish sauce. Yes, absolutely. And, um, and this would probably be like millennia after other people got excited about <laughs> fish sauce. <laughs> yes, that's that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we should we talk about a little bit about the the uh, the history and production of fish sauce? Yeah, let's talk about this because it's so interesting to me. Well, we're we're going to get to this, but that fermenting fish has shown up in so many great cuisines around the world. Yeah. Um. So. Fish sauce, it's, it's a fermented sauce that is made from salt and anchovies or other small fish or sometimes shellfish, but uh, typically, you know, small oily fish. And you really just layer the fish and salt in barrels. You ferment it for up to two years and then you lightly press it and the salt drips out. The uh, sauce drips out. So wait, hold on. Can we can we just talk for a second about yeah. what what is actually going on in that fermentation? Like what is it like? The proteins of the fish that are what's, yes. ha- what's happening in there. So, the I mean, there are a lot of chemical reactions going on in there. But basically, like you know, bacteria are converting complex carbohydrates into into simpler sugars, and also releasing gas and acid. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on. The the flavor changes enormously. Like a younger a younger fish sauce is going to taste more fishy, and a longer aged fish sauce, like the longer it goes, the the less it tastes like anything resembling fish. So wait, okay, it's mostly made from anchovies, right? But what what other fish would go into making fish sauce? Oh, that's a good question. There are so many different fish that people eat that I feel like every time I read a food article or research for an episode that's vaguely fish related, I come up with a new fish name like that I've never heard of before. <laughs> like so, so I think probably the answer is uh, you know that all the, kinds that even the word anchovy probably refers to like seventeen different species of fish and like you know they catch like you know the 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 ocean scumby or something and. <laughs> <laughs> like you know it's what it's whatever you know whatever fish people people are eating in uh in the uh the area where they're making the fish sauce they are going to they're going to turn that fish into fish sauce and and fish sauce is a byproduct like originally the point was to make like you know a fish paste yes sorry when you said something about the the ocean scumby yeah. It reminded me last night. So we've been watching Arrested <laughs> Development lately uh-huh. after watching whatever else. Like right now, we're also watching Peaky Blinders, which I know you've oh. watched. No, no, I haven't. I just like the name. Oh, I thought you'd watched Peaky Blinders. <laughs> no, is it good? Uh, you know, so it, at first I was really annoyed by the fact that the music is all like Nick Cave and like contemporary stuff when mm-hmm. this is like set in like the 19 teens. Okay. It, it really was bothering me all the electric guitars <laughs> um it just it really bugged me now i'm fine with it because i just want to fuck killian murphy but and so does my spouse for the record we're cool. both we're both into this but after an episode of peaky blinders or two we usually want something super light to you know sail us into bedtime and so lately that's been Arrested Development. And last night <laughs> was an episode in which Job can't remember the name of of his of the woman that he married like under duress. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, and he's getting divorced from her. He's been served papers, but he can't remember what her name is. And the name that he guesses is Crindy. 
that's pretty good it's a perfect like you know when somebody gets it just right like a name that is never gonna happen like that could not possibly be real but it's so close to real yeah like jim sandwich like jim sandwich or crindy or the ocean scumby (laughs) yes because i mean there are a lot of fish with with like uh you know sort of purposely unappetizing names. Like, isn't there a fish called, like, a crappie that's spelled, like, crappy? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah, like, C-R-A-P-P-I-E. This is, like, a fish. Oh, God, you're right. I didn't know it was pronounced crappie, though. I just thought it was crappy. <laughs> um, yeah, like, a fluke. That's a fish. That that, that's, sounds, that doesn't seem yeah. good. That does A flounder. That doesn't seem good. Yeah. I mean, it seems it seems good if you're if you're a little mermaid. Or or if you're going to have it for dinner. Yeah. Anyway, okay, I'm really glad that we uh, that we covered this. And now you can go back to telling me about things. <laughs> okay. My favorite, it's my favorite segment, I'm telling you about things. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you had your turn earlier when you explained what a 79 is. So. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, like, there, there is a lot of parallel between fish sauce and well fish ingredients and soy ingredients to the point that uh, on Wikipedia Wikipedia says quote food scholars traditionally divide East Asia into two distinct condiment regions separated by a bean fish divide Southeast Asia mainly using fermented fish Vietnam Thailand Cambodia and Northeast Asia using mainly fermented beans China Korea Japan ah. and isn't that a great way of thinking about it? God, that's brilliant. I'm interested, too, in how this has happened, because all of these places are, like, on the water. Yeah, or have I don't know the answer. I mean, it probably has something to do with, like, you know, be- soybeans grow a little better in these areas, and mm-hmm. fish are a little easier to catch in these areas, but that is a wild guess. Hmm. And uh, it's sort of like how, you know how, like, in, in like, Australia, New Zealand, uh, they have, like, a marsupial version of everything? Oh, it's like that. Yeah, like except like, they're not eating the marsupials. I it's mean, not I a think, bean fish divide. I, th- I think they're eating some of them. Oh, you're probably right. Oh my God, Matthew, save it for the cute animal segment. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> I don't think my cute animal today is a marsupial, but I don't remember what it is. So okay, we'll find out. So the the parallel goes way way back because when we did the soy sauce episode long ago we talked or maybe the miso episode also we talked about how soy sauce was originally a byproduct of miso production mm-hmm. well fish sauce was originally a byproduct of fish and shrimp paste production okay and fish paste and shrimp paste are still widely used and widely eaten in uh, in south southeast asia um you know fish sauce has become more dominant but uh you know originated as like okay we're going to make this uh this shrimp paste for that's like an extremely concentrated flavoring that's mm-hmm. used and like curry paste and soups and stir fries and all kinds of things. And then there's this like leftover stuff. And oh, this leftover stuff is also really good. And to the point that people started making the leftover stuff on purpose. I think about like uh, buttermilk production. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you can make butter and wind up with some buttermilk, but it's not the same as the thing you're going to get at the store. Right. Right. Uh, It's fish sauce like that. Like now fish sauce has become its own thing and it is a bit different from how it is when it's just a byproduct. I think the answer is yes. I don't know for sure, but I think I think probably the fish sauce you buy is like a little more refined than you would get from from the old school process. Just a runoff. Right. (laughs) Um, But but not not super different. I don't think. Yeah, that, that makes sense. 
That makes um, sense. I mean, basically, like the ingredients of of like uh, a good store bought fish sauce, uh, you know, that's industrial produced, are like fish and salt and maybe water. You know, it's interesting to me to think about in the history of making fish pastes and shrimp paste and stuff like that. I wonder how often people actually make it at home. Like people sometimes do make, like, aren't there people who sometimes make miso at home? Like, yeah, absolutely. And aren't miso producers. They make it at home. Like they might make kimchi at home or something. This uh, is would, a good question. Anybody, maybe we could ask our guest. Yeah, that's true. So we're delighted to welcome back onto the show Pailin Chungchitnant, who hosts Pailin's Kitchen on YouTube, a new video every Friday, and is author of the Hot Thai Kitchen Cookbook and uh, maintains the Hot Thai Kitchen website. This is like our go-to for all things Thai food. Pailin, welcome back to Spilled Milk. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back. And you said that if we do a fish sauce episode, mm-hmm. you hope that you could come back and talk fish sauce. So let me start by just asking, why, why did you particularly want to come back to talk fish sauce? I am so passionate about fish sauce. It's almost a running joke on my show that if I make dessert, people expect me to start putting it instead of vanilla or something. Um, <laughs> but it's, I just think it's, it's, it's such an iconic ingredient for Thai cuisine and Southeast Asia in general. Um, and it's also misunderstood a lot. Either misunderstood or people just don't get it at all. Like, why would you put something that smells bad into your food, right? right. So I like to talk about it because it is much more than it smells. That's, that's a good point. That sums it up so beautifully. <laughs> Before we welcomed you on, we were talking a little bit about the history of fish sauce. Mm-hmm. And I was, I found myself wondering, uh, you know, I think about other fermented foods mm-hmm. that, uh, that you can buy, but that some people also choose to make at home, like kimchi or miso. Right. Do people ever make fish sauce at home? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Okay, okay. Just wondering. Seems like it'd be oh very, I mean, very fragrant. I mean, to make like, you better have neighbors pretty far away if you do. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, okay, so, that's what we were thinking. Have you talked okay. about how fish sauce is made? Should we? touch on that a bit? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the way fish sauce is made is actually quite simple. You take anchovies and you dump it in a, you know, commercially, it'd be like a big swimming pool. And you put a bunch of salt on top of it. And then you just let that rot. So you can imagine it smells very strong. Um, but as the so- salt draws out moisture from the fish and the enzymes in the fish starts doing their thing, it breaks down and it turns everything into liquid, basically. Well, not yeah. everything. It turns it turns it into big mush and they strain out any sort of bits and then the liquid is the fish sauce. And how long does it take to go through that process? Uh, 12 to 18 months is the most common. Um, people do it up to two years. So, you know, in similar ways with other fermented foods, the longer you keep things, the more complex they become and things like that, but also the more expensive it becomes. So commercially, sure. they kind of find a balance somewhere. So I think 12 months is sort of the minimum. Okay. Have, yeah. have you ever visited a fish sauce factory? I have not, but I hear okay. that you know you're in the right place from a <laughs> mile away. <laughs> uh, I can only imagine. Yeah, you come out and you can't smell anything for two days. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sounds kind of great, though. I would love to, actually. Yeah. 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 It's one of my, I sometimes do um, documentaries about how ingredients are made on my show. We've done one for coconut milk and rice noodles and things. And I've always wanted to do fish sauce. And that was the plan for the year of the COVID, which we didn't go anywhere. But yeah. we were almost going to go to a fish sauce factory. Oh, oh. I, I hope you get to do that. I want to see that video. Yeah. So how do you shop for fish sauce? How much does brand matter? It's everything. Like you can ruin a dish if you don't buy good fish sauce. So with fish sauce, you can pretty much go by price. The more expensive it is, the better it's going to be. So the thing is this. So what you have to understand is the way what I just explained, the way fish sauce is made, that's like the pure form of fish sauce, just fish and salt. You don't add any water. But what's on the market is not that pure version. So what they do then is they drain off the the pure fish sauce, they keep it, and then they add more salt water to the old fish and get a more Mm. diluted version. So let's call that second press, okay, even though there's no actual pressing involved. Right. So then this diluted second press gets mixed into the uh, to the first version virgin press, and then they can mix it in whatever ratio they want, depending on how high quality they want the final product to be. So the most expensive, most sort of premium brand of fish sauce is called Red Boat. They're the only one that I'm aware of that actually uses only the first press. So if you look at the ingredients, mm. it's just fish and salt with no, not even water, because all the water is what naturally occurs in the fish. Okay. And so... The way I I tell people is first look at the price. That's a good indication. Then look at the ingredients. If you start to see more than just fish, salt, and water, that means they're starting to have to add things to make up for the fact that there's not much actual fish flavor there. So if you see any like MSG or any like added color, added flavor, you're going down the territory of people trying to make up for bad quality. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, and Protein content is a really good indication because um, the more fish there is, the more actual protein is in there. So if you look at Red Boat, there's four grams of protein per tablespoon. And then um, Squid, which is a great like standard Thai brand, like you don't want to spend a lot of money. That's a really good one. But that only has two grams oh, of, that's interesting. of protein. Um, however, you have to be careful because some brands will add like add it to like a fake protein. You know what I mean? Right. Like it'll be a like cheaper brand. vegetable protein exactly, or something. Exactly, or whatever, like a fake protein in there. So you have to look at everything sort of in combination with each other. Oh, this is great to know. Yeah, that is so helpful. Mm -hmm. So do you use Red Boat for everything or do you have different fish sauces on hand for depending on how you're using them? I have different fish sauce on hand. Um, Red Boat is great if you are going for something where you can really taste the fish sauce, like a Thai salad or a dipping sauce because it's expensive. So if you use right. fish sauce to the level that I do, like it could cost a lot of money. Um, yeah. So Red Boat is great for things like that. Like if you're going to put Red Boat in a stir fry, that's like that's throwing money away. Like you're not going to okay. be able to taste the difference because in a stir fry or even in a curry, like it's such a strong, like a Thai curry, it's such a strong flavor, like a right. couple you know, teaspoons of fish sauce, you're not going to taste it. So then the standard fish sauce that I use is usually squid, which is a Thai brand. But the three crabs, which is a Vietnamese brand, is also a good sort of everyday fish sauce. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, I have a a random question, Mm -hmm. actually. I'm a little embarrassed to admit this. So I uh, I used to co-own a restaurant Uh and and we used fish sauce in some dressings, like kind of, you know, where 
they're uh, just kind of sneaking it into places. Uh-huh. Um, and so I have a like a gallon jug of Mega Chef uh-huh. that is like three quarters used. And I found it at the back of my cabinet in my kitchen. <laughs> is it like still safe to use? I mean, I think I've had oh it for God. years. <laughs> and the fact that you won't reveal the number of years. <laughs> I am, am I slowly going you to You haven't owned that restaurant for a family? while. <laughs> I haven't. Okay. So am I, what do I do? You you throw it away. Um, <laughs> first of all, Mega Chef is a good brand. Okay. Um, by the way, um, it's another brand from Thailand. I, it's starting to become more available now. They do put a little too much sugar in it. I find like it's 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 good, but it's sweeter than what mm. I'd like fish sauce to be. But that's why people like it more because it tends to be more not as jarring because it's sweeter. You know what I mean? Like it's a little more mm-hmm. mellow. But mm-hmm. in any case, um, your ancient fish sauce is not going to make you sick because the amount of salt in there. It's like you, it doesn't go bad, but it's right. not going to taste good anymore. Oh, um, the flavor okay. Okay. deteriorates over the years or even months, and it doesn't taste quite as good if it's just been especially unrefrigerated for a long time. So I can touch on storage now that we're talking about this. In Thailand, nobody refrigerates their fish sauce because that's silly because we go through it so much. Right. But if you're not going to go through it as much as Thai people do, i.e. you don't use it every day, you should refrigerate it and make sure the cap is on tight. Sometimes it gets those salt crystals collecting on the on the top of the bottle and it doesn't close quite well. Uh, make sure you clean off any sort of collected salt crystal so that the lid can close because you want to preserve the fish sauce from oxygen as much as possible. You'll notice old fish sauce gets really dark in color. Yep. And the, the flavor, the smell will be stronger. It, it's not quite as smooth. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I, the, you are describing my Yeah, it's so, giant. it like turns into soy sauce all of a sudden. <laughs> it is very dark. Yeah. And this is good though. Now I know what I'm getting Molly for her birthday, a new, <laughs> a new thing of fish sauce. Oh my God. But Matthew, my birthday isn't until September. <laughs> okay, gonna, your half birthday. I Okay, great. You, Oh, perfect. But you have okay. to taste it now and report back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing. I've I've been using it lately. Oh, you have? <laughs> and just being like, hope nobody dies. No, it doesn't <laughs> go bad. Anyway, okay. This is this is all good to know, but I'm going to put it I'm going to put a new bottle of fish sauce on the grocery list today. Well, good. Okay. Okay, so speaking of, you know, cooking with fish sauce, if someone is new to fish sauce, how do you recommend they get to know it? What do you think is a good place to start, a a recipe you might recommend? Right, okay. Um, So I, first of all, recommend you cooking a dish where fish sauce is naturally used. So don't start getting creative with it right away. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, Even though you can afterwards, but I feel like it's important to know like how fish sauce has been approved for usage by (laughs) cuisines around the world. So make a Thai salad or a Thai soup, like a tom yum soup is a really good one where you can really taste the fish sauce. So those those are good ones or something... In the Vietnamese repertoire would be good as well. Um, But I wouldn't make a Thai curry use fish sauce because, again, as we said, you can barely taste it by the time all the other herbs and spices are added. So if you really want to taste fish sauce, go with a Thai salad or a Thai soup. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is really helpful. So we'll we'll link to a recipe then. Yeah. Like a, like a, what would be a good starter Thai salad? 
coming up. Let's say like you can link to my um, corn and cucumber salads. One of my favorite. Oh, that sounds salads. great. Yeah, it's like okay. it's like a green papaya salad that people are familiar with. But it uses corn and cucumber instead, and it's great. Okay, mm-hmm. I think I have one last question. Is let's let's talk about uh, priknampla, which I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing correctly. No, that's the, uh, very fi- close. Fish sauce, fish sauce with chilies uh-huh. uh, that uh, you know you'll see on the table at Thai restaurants, and is very easy to make. How do you make it, and what do you use it for? Because it's one of my favorite things. Mm. So what you use it for is basically like salt and pepper. So what we would do is if something tastes like uh, it needs a little bit of oomph, we put a little bit of priknampla on top. And sometimes it all like the dish that you're ordering at a restaurant will always come with like fr- Thai fried rice. It always comes with priknampla. Whether or not you yes. use it, that's up to you. But it's almost like you have to serve it with it because fried rice is, you know, it's not super strongly flavored dish. It's not spicy. So if you want a little heat and something a little stronger, then you drizzle a little priknampla on top. Some people always, always, always put it on their rice. No matter what it is that they're eating with, they want their rice to be seasoned with pignum black. Oh, yes. So, and it really does add sort of sharpness and personality to, to everything that you eat. So it's super easy to make. People always ask me for a recipe and I'm like, there is no recipe. This, right. this is what you do, okay? You slice some Thai chilies. If you want to actually eat the chilies, you mince it small. If you just want it to infuse the spiciness, then you then you cut it large so you can avoid getting it onto your mm-hmm. actual rice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you just cover it with fish sauce as much as it takes to submerge the chilies. And then if you and if you want it more spicy, you add less fish sauce and you have, want less spicy, add more fish sauce. And then most of the time people will add a little squeeze of lime juice as well. And um, how much lime you want to add is completely up to you. But just to give you a, like a, a rough ballpark for like two tablespoons of fish sauce, you might just do like a, a teaspoon or two of lime juice. Yeah. Yeah, and so that way your fish sauce will also have a little bit of acidity to it. And then some people get fancy and they add chopped garlic, thinly sliced shallots, but that's as fancy as it gets. Yeah, no, for me, it's like one of those things that like, you know, the first time I taste it, like, oh, you know, I'm going to be putting this on everything. Like this is just so straightforward. Like it's just a couple of really delicious things mixed together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and keep that in, keep it in the fridge and it'll last again almost forever. I don't want to say forever because <laughs> <Yeah>. liability issues. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Pylon, thank you so much for being on Spilled Milk again. Where can we find you online? You can find me at hottaikitchen.com. That's my website with all the recipes and also on social media at Hot Thai Kitchen everywhere and on YouTube as well. And you on YouTube, you can look up Hot Thai Kitchen or Pylon's Kitchen, which is the actual name of the YouTube channel. So just Google me. I'll show up. All right. And we will link to you in the show notes also. Thanks again for being on Spilled Milk. You're so welcome. Thank you so much, Pylin. Enjoy your new fish sauce. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got, you can borrow appliances. Like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it, no charge. <laughs> uh huh. So, like, you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post meeting drink. You can bring your pet. 
totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody, nobody. Yeah, so like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then. And this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So, okay, Matthew, when we left off, we were talking about the old beanfish divide, I think. <laughs> the, yeah. Uh, the age-old beanfish divide. But, okay, so so we've learned from Pylin a lot about stuff I had no idea about, about fish sauce. Oh, yeah, I learned a ton also. And how it's used in Thailand. But how is it used in Vietnam? And also, like, this stuff is in Europe, too. Yes, it is It is hanging on in Europe by a thread, kind of. So let's, let's talk a little more about South. Southeast Asia first, because like it's used, you know, in uh, in Vietnam, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, the Philippines, Malaysia, Singapore, Myanmar, like pretty much all of the countries of Southeast Asia, all the cuisines of Southeast Asia find various ways to use it. I am personally most familiar with the Thai and Vietnamese ways. Mm hmm. But so like in, you know, in Vietnam, like, uh, you know, it's, it's used, like you said, like in stir fries, uh, in salads, in uh, as a all purpose, like dipping and seasoning sauce. But many, many like centuries, even millennia ago now, like fish sauce was as common in Europe, especially like Southern Europe as it was in Southeast Asia today. And so there was a sauce called garum, which is sometimes called liquamen, which was used throughout the Roman Empire and wasn't really any different than Thai fish or Vietnamese fish sauce today. Oh, this is so interesting because I've I've definitely seen over the years in random, uh, you know, historical food texts, the word garum from, you know, the Roman Empire, but I haven't really known what it referred to. Yeah, no, I know you, you are always seeing with a with a historical food text, I am. Uh, so this was this was a, like an all purpose seasoning sauce that was popular throughout like the Mediterranean, uh, you know, centuries ago. And then for reasons that I do not know, mostly fell out of favor with two exceptions. So there is a sauce called uh, Colatura di Alici in uh, that's used like in Campania in southern Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, that is very similar to uh, to the fish sauces we've been talking about, and. Then then there's Worcestershire sauce, which which we did a whole episode on, and is clearly related to this, uh, you know, ancient Mediterranean fish sauce in the sense that it starts with a bunch of salted anchovies, but well, and, obviously and, is then flavored with a bunch of other stuff too. And it's so interesting to me the degree to which Worcestershire sauce 
is, well, at least in some parts of like mainstream American cooking, it is very common. Like people just sort of throw it into their meatloaf or their burgers or put it on a steak or whatever. And and I don't think anybody or I, I think that it's not typically connected in people's minds to the way in which these fish sauces uh, are used in Southeast Asia. But it's it's so common here, too. Yeah, no, it's it's an umami booster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes sense. All right. Should we talk about Nook Cham? Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. So, so Nook Cham is is the uh, like if you order like a like a boon dish mm-hmm. in a Vietnamese restaurant, Nook Cham is the is the sauce that comes alongside that you pour on and toss everything together, and it's made typically from uh, fish sauce, chilies, uh, some some combination of vinegar and or water and or citrus juice, usually lime. Mm-hmm. Right, and then uh, like a little, a little chopped garlic, um, and maybe some th- shreds of carrot. Anything I'm forgetting? And sugar. Well, so, in what respect truly does it differ from Priknam Pla? So Priknam Pla is is much sh- like sharper and more concentrated. Like you can you can literally just slice some Thai chilies, pour a little fish sauce on there, and that is Priknam Pla. Got it. Uh, Nuk Cham is something that you can consume a larger quantity of because it's more. It has more of the the body of like a dressing than like any like a, than an intense hot sauce. Yes, I think about about Nuk Cham being lighter, w- waterier. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was trying to think about how to say it without saying waterier, which sounds like a like an insult, but it's not. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's like uh, you know, if you've ordered boon, you have poured a large quantity of Nuk Cham probably onto it, and it hasn't seemed like too much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay, do this you do the sense. thing where you start by like pouring a little of it on, and then you're like, no, I'm just going to put on all the rest of this. Oh yeah, I usually pour like half of it on at first, and yep. then I'm like, oh nope, nope, we're just gonna upend this thing. I do exactly the same thing when I'm eating bibimbap. Like I'll start with like just one tablespoon of gochujang, and then like how about four more tablespoons? <laughs> so okay, uh, so Matthew, how do you tend to use this stuff at home? So I mostly use it in Thai cooking, although I will also use it as kind of an all-purpose umami booster. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, if I'm if I'm making like a bolognese sauce or, uh, you know, I think I think I put it when we made meatloaf with Kenji Lopez-Alt. I think I, there was I, fish sauce in that. I was going to say, I put fish sauce in meatloaf. Yeah, absolutely. I also put a little bit of ketchup in there. So you've got like sure. two sources of umami, really? Pretty great. Yeah. And one thing I was curious about, so I looked it up just before we started, um, I, I know some of our listeners are, are like as nerdy as me about this sort of thing. It has always seemed to me like fish sauce has more umami than soy sauce, which has a lot to begin with. And I looked it up and I wasn't able to like 100% confirm this, but I, I found a few charts where people had like gone into a food lab and like tested like free glutamate content of various foods. And it does seem like fish sauce has a higher concentration of glutamate than so- soy sauce on average. Okay, okay. I I believe it. I have used it recently uh, using my ancient fish sauce in a winter soup recipe that I make a lot that is definitely fits under the cat- the age-old category of fusion. Uh, <laughs> okay. For better or for worse. Uh-oh. I know. Um, it's a butternut squash soup that's pureed, and I put a can of coconut milk in some red curry paste yeah. and fish sauce. 
and a tiny bit of maple syrup. And I know that this sounds like a true American abomination, but it's so delicious. No, it sounds good. And like, I can, I can like imagine my head, like if you, if you did, like if you started with just the, uh, the coconut milk and the squash and like yes. tasted it before you put the fish sauce in. You're like, oh, this is like cloyingly like oh, yeah. syrupy sweet. And then like the fish sauce is going to balance everything out. Well, and then then with a good sweet squeeze of lime. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And I can't imagine how else I could get those flavors in there without the complexity of the fish sauce. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, I love Thai salads. We did a Thai salads episode. Like I, you know, Pylin mentioned uh, that that's a great way to get started with fish sauce um, because you can you can like mix it with uh, you know some of the other key flavors of Thai cooking. You know, because it's typically a mix of chilies, fish sauce, sugar, and lime juice. And uh, getting that balance is really fun because you'll taste it and like quickly get to know. Okay, this needs a little more fish sauce. This needs a little more mm-hmm. sugar. And like you get to this point where just like, and now I am going to drink a pint of this. Didn't we a million episodes ago do green papaya or green mango salad? I think we did. We did. Because I, I think we probably talked about this then. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Also, when, when Pylan was talking about like what, what brands of fish sauce she buys, I was like feeling smug. I was like, oh, yeah, I've got Red Boat and Squid on, on my shelf. And uh, and then jerk. I started feeling less smug when I realized, oh, yeah, and I let them sit there until they turn black and continue using them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I um, Matthew, now I have to figure out, like, so do I dispose of like all this mega chef that I've I think got? You, I think, yes. It's not I good just anymore. Pour it down the drain. I think you just pour it down. The, I mean, How, do I maybe have to like move? check check the King County like like waste disposal site and see if you're allowed to pour that down the drain. No, just pour it down the drain. It's fine. Okay. Okay. Well, now this is exciting though because I think I'm going to go to Central Market maybe, which uh, is is the nearest grocery store to me that has a really great Asian food section. Yeah, get some Red Boat. And now I'm going to get well maybe some Red Boat and some squid. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else that we should say about fish sauce? I would I would love to hear from from listeners like if you come from a tradition of cooking uh, you know Filipino food or you know food from from Burma or Cambodia like what are what are ways that you use fish sauce in cooking? I feel like the one that we've really like kind of neglected is is the Philippine tradition because mm-hmm. I know fish sauce is a huge part of that and I just don't know as much about it as I was I would like to. Yeah, I I know next to nothing. Contact at SpilledMilkPodcast.com or, uh, you know, someone on the Reddit is going to start a thread about it and you can post there, reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. Excellent. Uh, Matthew, should we go into our segments? Let's go into our segments. Woohoo! I love going into segments. Me too. I call I call that an 89. Oh, you want to kick it off with spilled mail? I do. So we got an email from listener Caitlin who asks, when I first started listening to your podcast, I was just learning how to cook. So thank you for being part of my food journey. Aww. You know, I, I we we like not infrequently get messages from people who say like, I've been listening to your podcast so long. When I started, I was 12. And <laughs> yeah, I, get, I sometimes get those about my blog too. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yes, yes, you would have been 12. It was ancient history when I yep. started this thing. Go on. When I think back to those early days of cooking, I remember dishes I used to make that I've since dropped from my repertoire, like Julia Child's crepes. What are the recipes that used to be in your repertoire that now feel nostalgic? 
Oh, this is great. Is this a great so, question? You know, it's hard for me to uh, to separate my answer from uh, from listener Caitlin's question because, you know, she mentioned Julia Child's Kreps. And immediately what I thought of was uh, Julia Child's souffle recipe from, is it The Way to Cook? Yeah, The Way to Cook. That sounds right. I remember when I was in my early 20s, uh, living in the apartment I lived in when I first moved to Seattle to go to grad school. I remember deciding I was going to teach myself how to make souffle and used Julia Child's recipe for cheese souffle. And I was so delighted by how easy it was once you kind of got the technique down that for a while it seemed like a kind of normal thing to make souffle. Sounds really good. It, it's, I mean, it sounds precious as all hell. Oh, yeah, yeah. But but it really is not that difficult. And for a while, I think I would have said it was in my repertoire. Uh, it is not anymore. And then the other thing, again, a, a French thing being ratatouille, which uh, I grew up with my parents making it a lot in the summertime, and we all loved it. And so when I was first getting out on my own developing my own repertoire. Ratatouille was right in there. And I just, I haven't made it in a long time. My kid doesn't really like eggplant or peppers. My spouse doesn't really like any of the vegetables that are in there. Is it because you didn't like the movie? Oh yeah, it's definitely, yeah, yeah. The movie just ruined (laughs) ruined Ratatouille for me. Okay, so I I also thought of two things. Uh, One is California casserole, which we've talked about on the show before, which was a a Burton family recipe, so uh, Watzel's family. It's it's something that I still like. We made it like a year or two ago. Like it's a casserole made with like some kind of ground meat uh, optionally. uh, And then like minute rice, green peppers and onions, canned tomatoes and cheddar cheese. So like a real casserole casserole. Mm -hmm. And and it's good. But like when I made it, like I I felt like, you know, this just kind of doesn't feel like the way I eat anymore. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. there's no good reason for that. There's nothing wrong with the dish, obviously. There's something wrong with me. Yeah, that's, that is what's the conclusion wrong with me, that Molly? I've reached as can well. Can we solve that right now? <laughs> okay, Matthew, wait, what's the other thing? Uh, the other thing is this recipe that I was really obsessed with, like right when I was like starting to become a food person, I guess. It was published in the New York Times and it was called Sweet and Spicy Pepper Stew. And the chef was Eberhard Mueller. Okay. Um, who I, I don't remember. I, Maybe from Lutess, something like that. I guess Lutess was always um, Andre Soltner. I don't know. Anyway, but it was it was at a time when I knew like who were the French chefs cooking at French restaurants mm-hmm. in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's like a pepperonata kind of. You take like three different kinds of peppers and you cook, you sweat them with some shallots probably, and uh, just like cook it down and then like eat it like with with like crusty bread or something. And I was I've made a, this a bunch of times, and for a while it was like the thing that I wanted when I was sick. Okay. And, like, I haven't made it in at least 10 years, and I don't know, maybe I should. Wow, it's so interesting. It sounds so unappealing to me. Sweet and spicy pepper stew? Yeah, it is a kind of an oddball. Yeah. I really liked it, though. Huh. Okay. Well, um, Matthew, if you have recipes for any of these things that we can link to. Oh, I do. I would love to see the ingredient list, at least for sweet and spicy pepper stew. I'm not committing to making it, though. Okay. Maybe maybe like when we can get together again, we'll do a sweet and spicy pepper stew episode. <laughs> oh, great. I can't wait. <laughs> maybe maybe you'll, you can make ratatouille and I'll make sweet and spicy pepper stew and we'll just eat a lot a of minute. Mediterranean have we done a bell- style vegetables. Have we, have we done a bell pepper episode? Episode? Surely we have. 
looks like we haven't. <laughs> oh, we're gonna be doing that really okay, soon. Great. Okay. God, All this right. is gonna be so fun. I can't wait. Next segment: quilting. All right, guys, I finished my quilt. <gasps> I finished my quilt. And I've been sleeping under it for wow. the past few nights. And I've been sleeping so well. But I do miss having, like, I loved hand quilting and watching TV at night. I mean, you and, can make another quilt, right? No, I can. But I don't really want to work that hard. That's uh, that's completely understandable. You know, I, I, need, I, I need, like, a four-year hiatus between quilt projects. That's my rhythm. That that makes sense. I can understand that. Yeah. We, we did get an urgent email. This this is like a, a hybrid spilled mail uh, quilting segment from listener Paula who wanted to let you know not to wash the quilt in the washing machine. I don't know what gave gave uh, listener Paula the idea that you were going to do that. Maybe something you said on a recent oh, episode. Well, no, I think I, I, told, uh, I told you, Matthew, and clearly you don't remember, I told you that I forgot to wash the backing fabric before oh, okay. before I started sewing it. So uh, anyway, listener Paula, I am definitely going to have to wash my quilt. I have a pet named Alice who's so mm-hmm. cute. And a, pet, sleep- a pet of undetermined genus. Oh, I'm looking at her right now. She's sleeping. Oh, God, she's so cute. Anyway, but, you know, she gets up on the bed. Like, the, the quilt is definitely going to have to be washed, but I will wash it in cold water, and I will hang dry it. Yeah, so you will. W- we'll see. You know, whatever will be, will be. I, there's a song about it. So we'll, we'll see. But, I mean, if something goes wrong, you're going to have to start a, start a new quilt, like, today. It's No, I'm, I'm, I'll start a new quilt <laughs> in four years, to be honest. Okay, great. Okay. You're going to have to go four, four years without a quilt. Uh, Matthew, do you have a cute animal? Do I ever. This week's cute animal is the giant river otter of South America. That is also the name of the YouTube video that we're going to link to. It is the longest member of the weasel family. Uh, oh my and, god, Matthew! While you're talking, I clicked. I clicked on the YouTube video, and I haven't been able to hear anything you said because you're because, because you're loving the these, these giant video. river otters. Oh my god. No, I'm right here. I can hear you now. Oh, okay. I finally realized that I should mute the YouTube video, not the computer. Yeah, no, just imagine that I'm one of the otters and I'm talking. Okay, okay. So anyway, go go for it. So again, they are the longest member of the weasel family. I know you and a lot of our listeners have been wondering for a while, which is the <laughs> longest member of the weasel family? And now you know, it's the giant river otter. Matthew, and- this thing is terrifying. This is not a cute animal. <laughs> I disagree. This thing looks like a swamp monster. It's terrifying. Did you see at like, I'll tell you when to look at this thing and it is going to Tell me when to look. I'm covering my eyes until then. (laughs) No, look right around 46 seconds. I don't have the video pulled up. Hang on. Pull up the video and look at it right around 46 seconds. This stuff is going to haunt your nightmares. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Before that, so I, I don't even have the agenda pulled up, so I just went to YouTube and started typing giant river otter of, and <laughs> YouTube recommended giant river otter of death <laughs> or giant river otter of the day. <laughs> oh, God. This is great. Okay. This is great. Okay. Oh, so, so adorable. Matthew, it's Oh, ter- I love it. Oh, my God. It's terrifying. I'm like, very frightened of this animal. 
How, this, is, how, this is interesting. Okay, we, we need to get it? listeners weighing in on this because I think this thing is adorable. Oh, my God. It looks like a Loch Ness Monster. It's going to eat your face off. Oh, my God. It's terrifying, Matthew. How big is this? Pretty big. And the thing is that most otters are solitary animals, but these things travel in packs. They're social. So you're not going to meet just one giant river <laughs> otter. You're going to meet the whole family. I'm so, I'm never going to South America. I think oh, you're also God. now going to be afraid of clicking on my next cute animal link. Oh my God, this is terrible. Matthew, how can you think this is cute? This thing absolutely looks like it's hungry for face. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then you're going to be pleased to hear, Molly, that they're in danger due to poaching and habitat destruction. Oh, no, I'm not that evil. They're okay. evil. Uh, <laughs> okay. okay. All right. So, so listeners, we need to hear from you on this one. Is this a cute animal or not, the giant river otter? Because we have a wildly diverging opinions. Oh, God. I mean, I love otters, but these guys, oh, my God. They, there's something, there's, they're very eel-like. I do. I agree that like if if I were if I were like uh, sailing down the river and one of these heads popped up and started and started making its like squeaky otter noise at me, I would have flashbacks to the movie Anaconda and think like I don't know what that thing is, but it's it's for sure gonna eat my face. But this is I'm, this is from a safe distance, like you know I don't want to meet a tiger up close either. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, Matthew, I can tell you that they are uh, they get up to three point seven feet long. Okay. So, you know, I guess it's not so giant, but you got to look at their faces, man. They are thinking about what part of your body they're going to ingest first. Yeah, but again, like the same the same is true of 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 a lion. <sighs> and lions are majestic. But look at look at the North American river otter. Now talk about a sweet booper. But but these <laughs> are like like otter? those only more so. Oh no, my I, God. Matthew, everybody knows sea, sea otters, otters and yet. North American river otters. No, shh, but uh, nobody can get enough of sea otters. I mean. Yeah, oh. but, but that's the thing, though. People don't need to hear about sea otters from us. But, okay. but the North American river, uh, the South American uh, river otter. The giant like, river otter. Giant river otter needs some love. You're right. It definitely does. Okay. Fine. Okay, yeah. So if you wanna if you wanna get in touch with us with some spilled mail or to let us know whether a giant river otter is cute or not, that's uh, contact at spilledmilkpodcast.com or visit the subreddit. You know where to find it. Okay. And finally, now <laughs> but wow. Now but wow. It's our new favorite fragrant segment. <laughs> it's our most fragrant segment. <laughs> Whoops. Where we flagrantly recommend a thing that we're into this week. Yeah, Matthew, what are you into this week? Okay, I'm actually going to change mine at the last minute. And I'm going to postpone this one that I wrote on the agenda until next week. Okay. Because uh, Wife of the Show, Lori, just uh, recommended a uh, book to me that I just started reading, like, the first two pages today. And it's called A Full Love Story by Loan Le. And uh, it grabbed me right off the top because the first line of this book, which is, it's a young adult romance. The first line is, Hoisin sauce is not paint. 
That is perfect. This book, like, I know this book is going to be great. I can't wait to read the rest of it. Like, I can't wait to stop talking to you so I can go back to reading this book. It's called A Full Love Story, Buy It Where Books Are Sold. Fantastic. When you said that you were changing your recommendation at the last minute and that it was a book, I was afraid you were going to name the book that I'm going to talk about this week. Oh, that would be so charming of us. It would be. It'd be so cute. I recently finished reading Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong. Have I talked? Have I talked to you about this book? I don't know this book. Oh my God, this is a fantastic book. It came out uh, last year in 2020. Kathy Park Hong uh, teaches at Rutgers. I think that prior to this book, she had published just poetry collections before. But this is a this is a collection of essays. It's sort of memoir meets cultural criticism. And, and what is so incredible about this book? Actually, let me go back and tell you what the subtitle is, because I, I think that it uh, it will illuminate things. So the book is called Minor Feelings, An Asian American Reckoning. It starts out deceptively lighthearted and sort of playfully cutting. <laughs> uh, sure. But before you know it, you are deep in this brutal and incredibly incisive, like, dissection of race in America. And it's incredible. I can't even say how artful this book is. I think everybody should have to read this book. I just put a hold on it at the library while you were talking. Awesome. Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong. So far, best book I've read in 2021. Okay. I'm really excited. Best book in the last couple years. Okay. Okay. That was now but wow. And that brings us to the end of the show. Oh, wow. It's been a it's been a long journey down the river oh and we God. survived several face eating otter attacks. <laughs> and we we brought home some fish sauce. And we brought home some fish sauce from the river. Yeah. Uh our producer is Abby Circatella. You can find us on Reddit, reddit.com slash R slash everything spilled milk, where you can talk to other listeners about the show. What else do we tell people at the end of the show? Uh I just started doing this show this week, so I'm new to this. Um, yeah, we already told them about the, the Reddit, the subreddit, the, all the yep. Reddits. And I think that that's about it. I mean, Molly joined the Reddit. I uh, did. The, the I, username, can, uh, what Candy, was it? CandyFiend69420. Was available. <laughs> yeah. And um, immediately someone posted like, wait, is that really Molly? It really is. Wait, they did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even see that. No, it's really me. <laughs> It's really me. But the thing is, is I can't handle like one more thing to be responsible for. I understand. So, um, so subreddit people, I don't know. Can you like, is there a way for me to find out if somebody tags me or messages me or something? Probably. We'll figure this out. We'll figure it out. Whatever. Reddit. Go, go read it. And until next time, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. If you put us in a barrel and pour salt on us, we'll, we'll emerge in two years, mushier, but with a new quilt. Oh! God, it's perfect. I'm Molly Weisenberg. <laughs> and I'm Matthew Amster Burton. Question, is it getting hot in here or is it just me? <laughs> <laughs> Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.